What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Thursday, April 29th. And every Thursday, we talk LAFC, we talk the black and gold. Obviously, LAFC come off of winning, getting a tie, actually, against the Sounders. It felt like a win because they were without Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. And here to help me talk LAFC, all things LAFC, we got Alicia Rodriguez. Alicia, how you doing? Doing well, Gio. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, you know, I got a lot going on. The NFL draft is today. I don't know if you keep up with that, but that, that that's been going that's been going there. It's been going there. So Trevor Lawrence got picked number one. Are you a football fan? Are you an NFL fan? Uh, vaguely. Uh, I grew up a Lions fan, so obviously I have Ooh. kind of a hate relationship with uh, the NFL. But uh, I actually have been doing some work on uh, behind the scenes on the draft tonight. So uh, yeah, I'm in in tune with what's going on a little bit as well, even though it's not usually my my usual beat. Yeah. Do you guys? St- oh, I don't know if you're gonna know. Do you guys still have Matt Patricia as a head coach? I don't know. No, they uh, they got Dan Campbell, who had a truly insane opening press conference talking about how he wanted his players to like kick and punch and bite and <laughs> you know like do anything for the team, which I think in some respects makes a lot of sense. You know, is like you want to instill a really competitive mindset, um, but it came across as way too strong, and so he got mocked right away for it so kind of par for the course with the lions yeah the lions man i've, I've been to detroit a, a couple of times the stadium what is it ford field i believe it's called mm-hmm. the stadium looks nice uh, that whole little downtown area with the 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 where the detroit tigers are right there and then i think they just put the hot the the hawk the basketball team downtown too right yeah the basketball and uh the pistons and the red wings play together in uh little caesar's arena there we go. I was gonna say pizza, but yeah, no. I, it's a beautiful downtown. It's a beautiful downtown. It's not that big, but it, it's beautiful and um, Motor City, you know. But we're here to talk uh, some soccer. Let's talk some soccer. Have you been watching uh, the CCL Champions League by any by any chance? Uh, here and there, uh, you know, bits bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, I, I, last night was pretty crazy. But I I didn't see the the full games. But there was. A lot of stuff to talk about last night, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that. I was watching. I was watching the the Portland Timbers and America game, and it looked like like the Portland Timbers were getting chances. And then I was like, all right, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't think they're gonna score. It changed or turned it off. Changed it like in the 80th minute. And then I look at my notifications. They get the PK and and they tie it one one. And I was like, wow, what a game. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's setting up to be pretty interesting for the return leg, which I think is what you definitely want. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk some LFC. Obviously, they 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 came off the you know impressive tie against the Seattle Sounders, a one-one tie. Um, it, it was interesting, right? Because they, like I said, they had no Carlos Vela, no Diego Rossi. Uh, you know, the lineup they went. I thought it was initially a four-four-two because that's how it came up to us in, in, in uh, Instagram or Twitter, wherever I saw it. But it was actually a four-three-three. Uh, the three up top were Mahala, uh, Cifuentes, and Corey Baird, and obviously you had. Um, you know, the regular uh, starters in the midfield. You got Latif Blessing, Atuesta, and Kay. And then Mar- Marco Farfan started because uh, Tristan Blackman, who was health and protocol, health and safety protocols, um, Jesus Murillo, obviously Eddie Segura, and Diego Palacios, and, of course, Pablo Susnigas. What were all thoughts uh, of the lineup? Obviously, it was just pretty much out of necessity, but in the first half of this game. Yeah, it was, like you said, there was a, a couple spots that they just kind of had to plug in players, but we got to see Marco Farfan for the first time uh, with LAFC. I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, Bob thought he looked pretty good. Apparently that's a controversial statement. Some of the fans didn't think he looked that good, but uh, I, I think he 
you know, he looked a lot better than the rotating cast that LAFC had last season when they didn't have uh, Blackman in there. So I think that's automatically an upgrade uh, in my book. And then um, Cifuentes was playing as a false nine, which was pretty interesting. Um, so I'm get, getting involved in the attack. I think that that uh, if there was any midfielder that you would think would be a good choice to to move up to the forward line, it would be him. So I think that there was some logic behind it, but it was a new wrinkle, something we hadn't seen before. Um, I, I think largely it was, it came down to just options and, um, you know, Bob wanted to use somebody who had experience, um, playing in big games, um, and who could, you know, kind of play a new position on the fly. But I also think that there's probably a chance that, uh, he wanted to show something a little different to the Sounders as well and, and kind of introduce a, a wrinkle under the circumstances. And, um, you know, the forward line didn't score, which is unusual for this team, but, I think they played, you know, reasonably well considering they were kind of scrambling a little bit. And uh, like I said, had a midfielder playing as a false nine in a, a a new kind of setup for this team. Yeah, no, I mean the 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 whole team did did a heavy job. You know, just the way they they competed, obviously against a tough Seattle Sounders team, which we were also missing a, a couple of players, right? But you know, I was very curious to see how the depth of LAFC was going to look like, you know, with all these different, uh, you know, new players getting the start, pieces moving around, obviously, Cifuentes. I thought he looked good uh, up there, you know, um, in the way he did. He's just a, a big physical body, um, you know, and I, I think I think uh, I would like to see him get more playing time, right? Uh, obviously, it gets tough, um, but we'll have to see. I did ask Bob Bradley earlier earlier today in the press call, and just kind of just paraphrase that you know, obviously that they that they have because uh, I just asked him. I was like, you know, do you see him as a potential? What does he have to do to get be a starter, or you know, do you see him coming off the bench? And didn't really quite answer my question. Pretty much just said like, you know, he's been doing a good job. I don't remember everything he said, but you know, I think Cifuentes and I was just talking to a couple other people. A lot of people are really high on what he can do, and you're really seeing his how versatile he really is, right? To, to throw him up there up top, um, you know. But also on the other hand, you know, you have Latif Blessing, Eduardo Tusso, Mark Anthony K. Um, I want to talk about Eduardo Tusso's goal in the, in, the, in the second minute. It, it was uh, it was a I guess a controversial goal if you're on the Sounders side because uh, the goalkeeper and was a new who I believe um, the defender from Seattle. Uh, he was gonna uh, he was gonna lay down behind the the line the behind the wall excuse me just in case someone you know Eduardo Tesla was gonna kick it underneath and you know the goalkeeper waved him off and of course what do you know Eduardo Tesla scores and I write the scores only goal that LAFC was able to score and I just I have the video here so I just want to play it real quick ball in Stefan Fry second minutes and Eduardo Atuesta takes advantage of no block lying behind the wall brilliant execution seattle fallible and the goalkeeper's decision not to utilize nuhu in that role has helped lafc take the earliest of leads here edward atuesta with his regular goal against the sounders well, not to us of recognizing that there is no player from the seattle sounders laying behind the wall here and just hits it with the right pace to make sure that everyone in that wall jumps. But Stefan Fry has to be questioned here. Look at the target goalpost cam. Knew who immediately after this one wanted to have words with Stefan Fry. Yeah, I mean, and that's the only goal that you know the LAC scored. So, you know, you know, if he would if he would have laid down to Nuhu, but you know, 
you know, glad he didn't, right? If you're LAFC and Eduardo Tostad took full advantage of that. And then you also, I, I, I like that Eduardo Tostad went that route and he was able to essentially carry the team, you know, when it came to the scoreboard, um, you know, and, and I like that it was after the week of the conversations of his contract extension and everything and just pretty much just right in a wave. What were your thoughts on Eduardo Tostad in this game? Yeah, he was a new man of the match, and I don't think it was only for the goal. I think he he really did have a masterful performance on the day. Um, the goal was super clever. I will say, personally, like I have a preference against putting a person down on the ground uh, behind a wall just because I think it's like the most embarrassing. Like, it's just super embarrassing to have to be the person who's like, okay, you lay down and take the shot. <laughs> Everybody's doing it though. Like, I know. It's, it's I know the thing, but, Everybody's it's doing so it. It looks ridiculous to me, but um, obviously in this case, it would have uh, probably helped quite a bit. But, um, you know, even Brian Schmetzer was like, well, we didn't, you know, we don't typically put players down on the floor. So, you know, that's on me kind of thing. So, um, you know, didn't try to like take the blame off of the players for for not doing it. But um, it sounds like he's probably going to be doing it from now on. Um, but no, I, I think Atuesta was, was really sharp. Um, you know, he's had some ups and downs, I think, over the years against the Sounders in particular. And on a day in which I think he kind of understood that he had to be uh, the key guy, uh, you know, he stepped up and and I think he really did a good job overall. And um, I think given the players that were available and the fact that LAFC was missing most of its, you know, primary firepower, um, I think a, a draw is, is a, you know, perfectly good result against the Sounders. I think that both teams came away feeling like that was a deserved uh, result and I think they played to a stalemate on the day, but I think Atuesta was was really really strong. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you got points, right? You got points without, uh, like I said, Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi, and, that, and your free LAFC. That's what you wanted to do. Um, I didn't know how this game was going to shape out for them, but they took advantage of their one opportunity that they had to score on goal. So we saw that. Um, I think also like uh, the thing that I was interested, I was like, why are some? Why did so many players have? injuries or weren't able to play i know danny masovsky wasn't wasn't available uh cory baird he had to leave the game early because of his back um so i'm just like are they just going too hard in practice or it just happens to be you know what whatever the case is right um but the good thing is lafc is going to have diego rossi available today i mean excuse me this weekend um bob Bradley talked about that he confirmed that he's available and he also confirmed that uh excuse me carlos vela is questionable Obviously, the, the offense is going to change a little bit because you have a player that's more clinical in Diego Rossi and what, he, what we can do. But this is going to be our first time seeing Diego Rossi. So I'm very curious if he's going to be able to play the full 90 minutes or, you know, play like 60 minutes, 70 minutes. I don't know how, how much time he'll play. But it, it, I feel like this is a good game to come back in because they're facing uh, not not that t- big top, top of an opponent of uh, the Houston Dynamo. Um, so I expect, you know, to see – some good out of Diego Rossi. I expect LAFC to, to win this game. Um, how do you how do you see this game shaping up? Yeah, on paper, I think uh, LAFC should feel confident going in. But of course, it's their first uh, road game of the season. Um, on the media call today, uh, Paulo Cisniego was asked about um, the team only winning one road game last year. So um, that's something that you know they're going to have to improve this year if they really want to be uh, top top contenders. Um, but no, this seems like a pretty good matchup. I think uh, Houston's played reasonably well, but I also think that they have not looked like world beaters in the first two weeks. Um, you know, so they're a team that I think can be had, but um, they also have some, you know, really tricky 
uh, impressive attacking players. And so I don't think the, the defense should just sit on their laurels. I think this is going to uh, test LAFC probably a little bit more than we're expecting. Um, they've got Maxia Rudy, who is a player who you never sort of say, oh, he's a top player in MLS, but he always you know, comes up with a, a pretty consistent number of goals no matter where he is. Uh, Memo Rodriguez, he scored against LAFC last year. He's already ha- has a goal for the season. Um, and Tyler Pasher, who they picked up out of the USL, um, which, you know, LAFC has found some su- success doing themselves. Uh, he's looked really good to start the season for Houston. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the defense will get a test in this one. But, again, I think, like you said, with uh, Rossi back, I – you know, I hope that he's good to go and he won't be favoring his hamstring at all. I hope I hope he's fully recovered and, and really ready to to run for as long as he needs to. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's a game that you want to see some points out of from from LAFC. Yeah, no, you hit on a lot of great points. I, I want to go back to the point of, of Pablo Cisneros. Um You know, he, he looked a lot more confident. I asked him if, if him knowing, you know, that he he didn't have to compete for his job necessarily. That that was part of his com- that, that's part of what gave him confidence. But he said no. He said he was coming with a lot of confidence into this year. He worked on a lot of things that you know made him feel more confident. Um, and obviously, you know he he's produced. Obviously, you know he's looked really good. And I know it's two games, but he's looked really really good. Um, right. And I think we we had talked about this when when Kenneth Farina was still around. I was more of the lines like long the lines are like hey. You got to stick with one and just ride it out. And obviously, Kenneth Ramir kind of just made it easy for LAFC. Him saying he didn't want to be part of the team. Um, I know it's two games, but I'm sold on Pablo Cisnegas being being the starter for LAFC. What about you? I think he's always been a really good shot stopper. Um, you know, even in kind of good times and bad, like he hasn't had a problem with shot stopping shots. Like he's a very good shot stopper. His positioning, I think, is really strong. You don't. You haven't seen from him um, goals where he coughs up a rebound and it goes straight to, you know, the player making the trailing run or something like that. Like Tyler Miller did that occasionally, and I think Tyler Miller overall had a, a pretty strong tenure with LAFC, but he he was apt to do that on occasion. Uh, Cisniega doesn't do that. I think the big question with Cisniega was uh, in regards to his distribution, his ability to play with his feet. Um, but I think he's improved in that, and I, to to some extent, I think that. Some people who kind of ride him a little bit harshly, I think they they remember what he looked like in 2019, and they haven't seen kind of the development that he's he's taken over the years. And I think he has grown as a player. I mean, when he joined LAFC, he had not played a first team professional game right in his career. Um, you know, so he's kind of blossoming before our eyes. But yeah, I think uh, you know, is he going to be goalkeeper of the year? I don't know. I don't know if he's at that level. But is he? somebody that I think is reliable for a contending team. Yeah, I think he is. And um, I, I think, like you said, the uh, confidence and not having to look over his shoulder constantly at the other player uh, competing with him, I think that'll probably help him. I think to, to some extent having that uh, comfort level is going to be good instead of, you know, the, we want to breed competition. I think to an extent that that's, that's a healthy thing to, to look for, but I think, Sometimes it can be counterproductive, and I think we've seen that when it comes to the goalkeepers at LAFC in the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you. And I think it just – I think it, it's going to – I don't know if Carlos – I mean, excuse me, pa- Pablo Cisnegas is going to be, like you said, goalkeeper of the year. But, you know, 
if the back line could do its job right, you need you're gonna there's gonna be a couple games that you know Pablo Cisnegas had has to save LAFC, you know, from losing a game or, or whatever. He's gonna have to have a game. He may have to have like a a couple, you know, a couple number of games in order for LAFC because right, we know the expectations for this team is, is, is championship, right? It's essentially championship or bust because with all the type top talent, the limited amount of turnover that they have, right? So you need you're going to need a, a solid goalkeeping performance from from uh, Pablo Cisneros day in and day out, but also the back line, right? Obviously, uh, Tristan Blackman wasn't able to play this game, um, but it, he looks like he looks like he's going to be the, the the right back for this season. Um, but also Eddie Segura, Jesus Morillo, and Chiqui Palacios. We know individually that these players are great. Um, how do you think? How do you think they played so far as a unit? I know there's been uh, change right there in the right back, but how do you think they played as a unit in the defensive end? So far, so good. Um, obviously, when it comes to numbers, they've allowed one goal in two games. I think you would take that on the whole. I know that during the broadcast uh, against the Sounders, you know, when they let in the the Sounders goal, the announcers were like, "Oh no, they've only let it." You know, they've only had three clean sheets and a ridiculous number of games, something like that. But Again, I think in the context of who they were playing and kind of the the game state, you know, it's not the end of the world. They still got a result out of it. So I I don't think it's something to really uh, panic over. But obviously, um, this was the group that uh, took them to the uh, CONCACAF Champions League final. Um, So far, the defense, I think, has looked uh, kind of at that level still. So if they can maintain that pace, then um, I think they're going to be much closer to the 2019 level then they will be to 2020 level. And in 2019, you know, they benefited from not having to worry about injuries too much. And you mentioned that there's a little bit of concern that the injuries are already starting to pile up this year uh, for the team. But if they can stay healthy, I think that'll help a lot. Obviously, there's going to be injuries from time to time. But if you're not losing two or three starters every game, um, you can find some cohesion, especially in the back and, and, and really build that chemistry, which I think is, is absolutely vital when it comes to the defense. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that because I think with LAFC, right? Because they they last year I think they allowed I forgot I forgot I don't know the number, but they allowed just as many goals as they I mean as they scored it pretty much was it was about the same number, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But um, I think you you just don't want to have that this season, right? You want you want to limit the amount of goals you get scored on, right? Obviously, they were they were without a number of players. So one, one tie, it's not it, published. It's not getting scored. It's not the end of the world. You still got the result, but I think there is going to come a time. Uh, I know it's been only two games, but they've looked better uh, on defense, defending set pieces one, because they haven't been scored on. And that, I think that was the biggest challenge uh, last season, um, them defending set pieces and where to be. Um, and I think they did a good job against Seattle, the Seattle Sounders, um, but I think I just want to see that moving forward with this LAFC because I think that was their biggest challenge. And I think if they're able to address that and they're able to do what they do on the defensive end as a unit, then the sky's the limit for this team. If you have a Carlos Vela healthy, if Diego Rossi is healthy, right? Because I think that 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 that's going to push this team uh, moving forward. Uh, if you're Bob Bradley, I know he he said on the press call that he's questionable. So it potentially looks like uh, Carlos Vela may may get his uh, first game back against uh, the LA Galaxy. Do you, would you wait? Would you wait for your LAFC to, to play him against uh, the LA Galaxy? Uh, I mean, if he doesn't seem like he's ready to go, then yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily like throw him in this week just because you want to avoid him coming back on the, in the rivalry game. I mean, Vela's a big boy. Like he, you know, 
he's played some big games in his career. I I would not be, uh, you know, altogether worried about that. And, you know, we saw one poor performance from him against the galaxy over the years. And that was last year when he got hurt uh, coming out of the return to play and he hadn't played in MLS's back tournament. Um, So he was out of form and then he got hurt later in the game and he just didn't look like he was in a rhythm. But uh, aside from that one game in his LAFC career, I mean, he's pretty much been on it um, every game that he's featured. So I think I would trust him to be ready, um, you know, for, for a huge rivalry game like that, even if his counterpart is, you know, scoring at will right now. Um, I don't think that that's going to intimidate him at all. And, and um, I, I, I just don't think against the dynamo, you necessarily need to rush him. Um, if you have like Masovsky back and um, you know, he's, he, he's got off to a, a pretty good start this season. Um, you know, if you have other options available, then I wouldn't, uh, you know, he, he's your centerpiece. You want him around for a long, long time. So if that means you have to wait another week, I think it's okay. Yeah, no, you, you make a good point that he is in form. And I guess that's something I wasn't thinking about last season, right? He wasn't in form and he, what he played and he ended up getting injured. So I'm with you on that. Um, give me your thoughts on Mahalo. I feel like Mahalo has been lights out this year so far and what he's been doing for the team. And I, I feel like he may be Diego Rossi's uh, replacement whenever Diego Rossi uh, ends up moving. So I just want to know your thoughts on Mahalo. Yeah, I think he's had a good start to the season. I thought him coming off the bench against Austin, uh, I thought he was fantastic. He was thrown into a very difficult situation, having to come in in whatever the 21st, 22nd minute of the game. Uh, which subs never come on at. And um, that was a game in which uh, with no Rossi on the field, with Novella on the field, the team needed somebody on occasion to like take a shot, right? Like even if it's not a great look, like try and get a shot on frame and see what happens. And he did that. Um, You know, he was a battler. Like he was, he was trying stuff. Uh, I think he's, he's pretty raw. Uh, He's, he's much less the, the finished article than, you know, Rossi was when he arrived at LAFC. Granted, he's several years younger than Rossi was when he arrived, of course, but um, I think uh, he's shown some growth. Um, and and I think that there's reason to, to have some excitement around him if he can continue to develop and um, can match up that energy, that willingness to try stuff with uh, production. Um, you know, it can be pretty promising for him this season and, and he may end up getting quite a lot of playing time. Yeah, no. I'm with you. And I think with Mahala, like uh, he's learning right from obviously the two best players in the league, Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela, back to back golden boot winners. Right. And I think we haven't seen that of him to be a clinical finisher, but we don't need to see that just yet. Um, but I think that's one thing that, that you know, we know the production he, he can do. We know, I know he scored in the CCL, but I, I think one thing I, I see if he's if they're, they're going to expect him to be a winger like Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela down the road is how clinical he can be. And I think with, especially with this offense, I think you're going to need a player that has those talents and this has the attributes. And I have no, 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 um, no, like I'm not missing any confidence on Mahala not being able to score because I think he's learning from the right players and how they do their job. I think, and we've also seen that he's unselfish when he, when he passed that ball to, to yeah. Cifuentes in the first game. I mean, he could have taken the shot, right? But he had an easy, he had an, uh, give me goal to Jose Cifuentes and you see that. And then I think Bob Bradley has talked about like a lot of the players really like Mahala. He, he's really light, well liked amongst the group. And that's, that's just going to give you more playing time, more, more, more playing time with, with the coaching staff and with the players, because they know like, 
for whatever reason, if it's Corey Baird or whoever's starting up top with them, you're the next man up, right? And potentially he, he could put, potentially break into the lineup depending how things play out for him this season. Um, but yeah, it looks really good for Mahala, and I think they did a really good job uh, scouting on him. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is um, uh, Carlos Vela's contract extension. There was a lot of things talked about this week, rumors and reports from all different uh, media outlets. Um, obviously, he Bob Bradley was asked, and this is this is his quote that I got from him. He said, I don't have any info on that. I don't know where it stands as contract negotiations. Um because that's, I think it makes it really interesting because one last week he told us everything about Dorda Twesta and it's almost finalized. I think, it only, I think if you don't know the situation with your star player, then I'm like, okay, then people could buy, buy into uh, maybe Carlos Vela going to Europe again um, or not. Um, but how, how do you see this? I know it's early, but how do you see this with, with Carlos Vela and his contract extension? Yeah, I. I, I don't necessarily imagine something's going to be wrapped up anytime soon. Um, he strikes me as the kind of guy that wants to consider his options. And, um, you know, there, I think there's an outside chance, uh, you know, not, not as good as when he first arrived, but I think there's an outside chance he could say, you know, we had a great season. Uh, I've had a great tenure here in MLS. I'm done. You know, I'm going to retire and go off into the sunset and I'm good. Uh, the fire that he's shown in playing in MLS, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily say at this point that I think he's on the verge of retiring, but I still think it's, it's a possibility for him. Um, you know, he's got a rich life outside the field, let's put it that way. And so, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he walked away, but it also would not shock me whatsoever if he resigned with LAFC for another couple of years. Um, it's been a very you know productive tenure for him. I think he really likes it here. I think he loves living in LA. Um, you know, he, he gets to be a normal guy and uh, live in a beautiful house with his family. And, um, you know, I, I don't see him running to Mexico. I don't see him ever playing in Mexico uh, at this point in his you know career. Um, I think there's a chance he could go back to Spain, you know, since his wife is Spanish, but um, my inclination is he'll probably finish his career with LAFC and, um, you know, that could be at the end of, you know, his current contract, or it could be in, you know, a few more years. He's still pretty young, but I, I think it's all pretty up in the air. And I don't necessarily know that he has a definitive take on what he wants to do at this point either. Yeah. I, th I think Carlos Vela is a player that's going to weigh all his options out. Um, there's rumors that like Real, Real Betis where Andres Guardado plays out there um, and potentially linking up with him. I think, but, LAFC has Carlos Vela under this year, and I think of potentially as a team option after this year. Um, so we'll see. I think Carlos Vela may may just see how this season goes with him. And you may, yeah. may mention a great point: his wife is from Spain, right? If he's, we know that Carlos Vela confirmed this that Barcelona was interested in him, and LAFC didn't want to let him leave uh, a couple of years ago when you know Carlos Vela was tearing up the league. So I, I could see one of two things as well. I can see him retiring. I don't know if after this season, um, because the reason I could see him just being like walking away from the game because he, he, when other players, let's talk about the national team. Carlos Vela has shown no interest in wanting to play the national team. He's like, hey, you know, I've done it. Let the other, let the other guys, you know, let the younger guys get that get the opportunity. Um, but you have players like across the street, like Chicharito. He's like, I haven't closed the door. I still want to play for the national team, right? And you have. 
players like Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm not sure. I think maybe Messi's still playing for Argentina. Um, you know, Slatan is going to play for Sweden again. You know, so it's like that. I think that's the thing. That there's that's the thing with the Carlos Vela. It's the unknown with him because you 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 can't predict if um, if he's willing to walk away from the national team, then you you got to assume that he could be willing to walk away from potential LAFC, potentially uh, from from playing uh, soccer. Um, you know, but I don't know if it's after this year, though. I don't know. And if, say, a better option comes comes to him. And I think I think it will have to depend how LAFC does, right? If LAFC win MLS Cup, then, of course, you know, makes sense that Carlos Vela is probably going to stay here and retire. But if for whatever the reason they come up short, I, I wonder how short they come up. If they lose in the final or they lose in the playoffs, then, you know, that, that there's going to be obviously more 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 rumors and reports and stuff like that because Carlos Vela, if he still does what he's been doing the last couple of years in the MLS, right. And producing and being clinical and putting teams away. I mean, their interest is going to be around the world for him because it's Carlos Vela and he's the, uh, in my point, in my view, the best player in the league. Um, but he's also very reserved. So you don't, he doesn't like talking to the media. He, you know, so you can't really get a grasp on, uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's unhappy with LAFC, you know. But um, we never see him, and we never get to talk to him. So we don't know if he's like, yeah, LAFC. Like, I'll, we've never heard him like, hey, uh, I want to retire with LAFC. You know, I want to retire with him with, with the black and gold. We've never heard him say that. That doesn't mean he doesn't want to do that. But we just haven't heard that. We there's other players around the league like, hey, I love Los Angeles. I want to stay here. You know. But because of the limited interactions we have with them and how he's sometimes been with his words with the national team, the, I think the, the, there's going to be questions. And if LAFC doesn't lock him up um, sooner, rather sooner than later, then a lot of those rumors and chatters are going to are going to come up. And I think there's a, there's not only that there's a lot of pressure with LAFC this season because the goal is to win a championship. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure, no doubt. Um, and, you know, that the uncertainty, I think, will probably play to an extent in their, you know, their planning moving forward. But uh, I would say that I think the, like, as far as quality of life, I think he can't get a better quality of life than he gets here. And it's not because I live in California and I just love it so much. Like, you know, he played, he's played professionally in England and Spain, which are two of the most, like, soccer crazy, you know, people going through your trash to figure out what what your business is. Um, so they can report about it in the news kind of media cultures. We don't have that here. Of course, they also have it in Mexico, which is also why I don't think he's ever going to play in Mexico uh, for any clubs because I just don't think he uh, has any interest in that. And so while it's possible and, you know, if if Barcelona comes back to him and he's on a free and they said, please come join us. OK, he he you know, there's a, a decent chance he might do that. But if it's Real Batiste, you know, no offense to them, but he might say, you know, is it worth going back in the fishbowl for that? I don't know. Um, so I think that the, you know, and that's something that I think um, superstars in MLS have routinely cited as reasons why they like playing in MLS is that they can, you know, go to the grocery store and they're not going to get mobbed. And, you know, like I said, people aren't going through their garbage looking for stories and, um, you know, stalking them and things like that. Like they can just be regular people. And um, while as media members, we would like to hear from uh, Carlos a little bit more to be sure. Um, I think that the laid back atmosphere that we have in our soccer media core is something that uh, I think he absolutely relishes. So um, I would not discount that. 
appeal for him in determining what's, what he wants to do next. Yeah. I think another thing, um, I think Kevin, when Kevin Baxter interviewed him in his article, he talked about that him and his wife want to live in Australia. Um, and I don't know how, uh, the Australian soccer, but I think if he wants to move to Australia, I don't know how soon he does, but I don't think he's going to go out there and play Australian soccer unless he really wants to. Right. But um, yeah, he said he wants to live out there. So this could be, this could potentially be the last couple seasons, last season with LAFC, depending how they do. Um, and then he may be just, cause I don't, I don't see him playing. I don't know for like the next five years, he doesn't come across that guy, right? He just doesn't come across being that guy that wants to play like, like a slot on to play, play till like he's, he's, um, yeah, you know, he's 30, 40 years old or whatever, but we'll have to see. And I, you know, I'm very interested to say if Carlos Vela does stay in the MLS and does end up retiring what with the black and gold, is he, would he be the type of person that would want to be part of the league, like coaching or, you know, an advisor and somehow, you know, like I see him post that he posted today about the, the, I know it's a sponsorship, but the body armor, you know, the body armor drink and stuff. So uh, I'm very interested to what life after soccer looks like for Carlos Vela. Yeah. I mean, my inclination, like, I think he'll walk into the sunset and we'll never hear from him again. Like, I don't think he'll do media. <laughs> yeah. Well, anything i think he'll retire to a quiet life but you never know i mean maybe he'll miss the competition and you know want to be a part of it in some way or another obviously he's a bilingual guy he's a handsome guy so he could get media work probably pretty easily if he wanted to actually do that i don't think he does but um another thing that a a lot of ex-players um get into is is coaching kids and so that's something i could probably see him doing as you know, not in the scrutiny of, you know, the, the limelight, but helping people and kind of trying to give off the love of the sport to, you know, to younger generations, something like that. So, but yeah, we'll have to see. I, I don't expect to see Carlos Vela, you know, front, like I don't expect him to be the next Hercules Gomez or Hugo Sanchez or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Like, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Black J op says, let's go LAFC. I can't read the other words he said because those are foul. <laughs> so I can't, read that so what's up uh black ops um but yeah no i i I, i'm with you i'm just very interested to see how how his uh career goes with lafc i like seeing them in the mls i've loved what he's been able to produce um but you definitely i think he's a player that you definitely want him to see walk away with the championship right because he's he's won almost he won he's won the golden boot he's won the mvp um but there's lots of competition uh for against lafc this season um but like, look, looking to next weekend's game, right? I don't want to, I don't want to overlook this game against the Houston Dynamo. But we, we can assume that you know they should win. If they don't win, then you know there's going to be some questions to to ask and need to be answered. But obviously, looking at El Tráfico next weekend, you know it's going to be. I believe it's May eighth. It's at the Dignity Health Sports Park. Let's say Carlos Vela, like you to your point, you just wait till till the LA Galaxy game. Um, assuming he's a form, he, he'll be able to play. How, how do you see that that game shaping out with with a hot Chicharito? Just you know, two goals, uh, five goals in two games, and obviously Bella right now only being able to play twenty minutes. Yeah, I mean, obviously we've seen LAFC and Galaxy games go back and forth over the years. It doesn't always follow the form. Um, you know, a team that is in the tubes make have an upset victory, or the one that seems to be even in games, of course, the one that seems to be controlling things ends up losing in the end. So it's, it's hard to 
um, you know, really stake a claim on, I guess, either team coming in. But I think it's going to be an extremely competitive game. I think if we thought that the Sounders game this past weekend was a big game for LAFC, even if they, you know, each team had a few players out, I mean, the intensity for this this upcoming game against the Galaxy is going to be ratcheted up even more. Um, I think the Galaxy, we can no longer uh, get some gimmies, you know, from the Galaxy when it when it comes to games against LAFC. Um, they have a coach who I think is competent now and can actually, you know, make changes and can have a coaching duel with Bob Bradley. And um, I don't think you necessarily walk into that game and say, Oh, LAFC is going to kill it. Yeah. They're, they're going to win. No, you know, no problem. Like it's, it's going to be a battle. And um, I think given how well the galaxy has started the season, like you mentioned, both teams have games this weekend. So we'll see how those go. Um, But I think both teams are very much going to be up for it. And it's going to be a, you know, a, a big, big showcase, you know, circle your calendar, talk about this game for a long time afterward kind of uh, occasion. Yeah, and everything, everything. And this would be, if Carlos Vela is healthy and able to play, this would be, I don't know if you know this, but this would be the first matchup, uh, Carlos Vela and Chicharito, because Chicharito did not play in any of the, oh, what, the six, seven El Traficos that they played last year, yeah. right? Because they had to play out of necessity, so... I definitely want Carlos Velo to be to be healthy. I definitely want him to be a hundred percent because I think that's what you want. You want a hundred percent on both sides, and you want to, you want both teams to compete because you don't ever want whoever wins to be like, oh yeah, but we only had Carlos Vela eighty percent of the time, right? You don't you don't want you don't want to walk away with that excuse or have any excuse, right, for anybody to say anything. But I think it's going to be an electric game. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, this is a completely different uh, LA Galaxy team that we've 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 seen this year. I know it's only two games, and but LAFC have shown that they have a lot of depth as well. They've shown that they 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 can hang in there, and the guys that are, that are stepping up are, are doing a great job. And, and just like any derby, it's so hard to predict these. You know, it's so hard. I think it's going to be like a, a high scoring game, like three, maybe maybe four goals. But I think it's going to be a high scoring game with all the options that they have and uh, all the different changes. And we know how LAC likes to play. And I think it's also going to become a game of like, like you talk about, you know, Greg Vanny and Bob Bradley them dueling out. It's we've seen uh, Bob Bradley's way and how that works. And I'm also very interested to see on the other side of how Greg Vanny uh, does and coaches uh, on the. We've seen him adjust in the second half adjustments and and what how that game will. We've seen it already change for the for the other galaxy. I want to see how that would look with the LAFC and what they're able to do, because I think, right, this that's going to be the toughest. We know the Galaxy this Sunday have to go against the Sounders. LAFC have an easier game against uh, the Houston Dynamo. But come next Sunday, or I think, believe it's Sunday, whenever that game, Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, I don't recall, May 8th, that game is going to be Saturday. Mm-hmm. I wish we were at full capacity to have all the fans because – those games, you you need all the fans. You 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 have to have all the fans. Um, but however many fans are, are let in, I wonder how many fans, how many LAFC fans they will let in because LAFC has to get some amount of fans in there. You know, I don't know. I'm not I'm not entirely sure of that, and I don't know if because of the limited capacity, if they'll even they may say sorry, you're out of luck. You'll have to go to. <laughs> I think you have to allocate for that game. You you have to allocate like because I think there was sixty eight hundred about sixty eight hundred uh, LA Galaxy fans uh, at the same and that I mean sixty eight hundred was rocking, right? It, it was rocking and, and it felt like at times it felt like it, it was packed, but 
what if it's sixty eight hundred, you give a thousand to LAFC, two thousand, fifteen hundred, five hundred, five hundred, fifty. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how. I mean, the the teams want to. There's some sort of MLS rule in normal times that you have to give. I don't know if it's like a section or two, or you know, a certain percentage of what your capacity is to have that available for the uh, traveling fans. But um, I mean, in these days, they may. I mean, I, I would imagine the Galaxy want to keep as few LSC fans in the stadium as possible. True. And given the fact it's so limited, they may be like, okay, here's twenty here's 20 seats, like have at it. This is what you're getting. And, you know, put them like in the you know, back corner or something like that. So, <laughs> well, you know, we'll see, but um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the gamesmanship of the, of the rivalry, but uh, yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure what the exact answer is of how many tickets they actually have to allocate for uh, the opposing side. No. Yeah. 50, I guess I get, you make a great point on that, but I was, I was expecting a little bit more because I just like to seeing the fans duel it out. You know, yeah. As long as uh, as long as everybody uh, you know stays respectful, and <laughs> I should say in a respectful way. We've seen I've seen videos of fans throwing blows, and it you know, and it gets it gets it gets a little out of hand sometimes. But you know, I mean, the, the rivalry is 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 a big deal. But you know, there's no reason to be fighting people over sports. Like that's just stupid. Alicia, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you've, I don't know if you've ever been that passionate over a team. I have, but I've never, I never fought anybody. Um, but it, I, I get what your point. I get what you're saying. But I feel like that's what, that's what, that's what makes this rivalry uh, so insane is that people are willing to fight someone else. <laughs> that is sports, and it just started. And I think I honestly believe it's, it's the best rivalry in all of Los Angeles. Just the way you know fans and everything you can interact. So definitely looking forward to that game uh, next week. But Alicia, I think that's all we all the time we have. I know I think we kind of hit on everything. I don't think we need to do uh, go for a full hour. I mean, we we know what what's happening. There wasn't too many too much breaking news. Uh, part of the see just Carlos Vela. Um, for the people listening, let them know where they can follow you. Sure. You can find my work on uh, LAFC at angelsonparade.com. And you can find me on Twitter at Soccer Musings. Guys, definitely give her a follow. She does a great job covering both teams and definitely uh, LAFC. If you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give this a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your music. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Gio Garcia LA, And make sure to follow us on LA Soccer Hub on all our social platforms next week we're actually going to be doing the lafc podcast on tuesday so we're going to switch it up instead of thursday we're going to go to tuesday now so tune in tuesday guys we're going to switch it up tuesday so for alicia this is Gio. we'll catch you guys next time bye everybody